Bible Speaks with Audley McLean. The Bible Speaks is a weekly ministry of Harvest International. Our prayer is that the Bible Speaks will encourage you in your study of God's Word. You will be able to contact Audley at the address given at the end of this broadcast. And now, here's Audley. Well, I'm glad that we're here together again today. Let me begin our look at the encounter between humanity's foreparents and Satan in the Garden of Eden, I suggested an outline that identifies the actors in the scene that involved the deceptive conversation into which Satan had successfully drawn Eve. The outline ran something like this. Satan, the deceiver, primarily verses 1, 4, and 5 of Genesis chapter 3. Eve, the deceived, verses 2 and 3 in particular, Adam the deluded, and that encompasses verse 6, God the detector and the deliverer, verses 9 through 22, and we'll be talking more about those next week. Last week we looked at one of Satan's most effective strategies, strategy used in the Garden of Eden, and still employs today. We looked at Satan's success in engaging Eve, challenging her mind and successfully leading her to doubt God, to doubt the veracity of God's word, even to the point where she succumbed to the vanity of her mind, even to the point of disobeying God's specific command. She thwarted the known will of God. She believed a lie rather than God's truth. We also looked at Satan's attempt to seduce the man Christ Jesus. We read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, about that. We looked at his subtlety, because what he wants to do is to supplant God under any circumstance, to have God's people obey him rather than thus saith the Lord. Satan's intent to lure us away from worshipping the way God has laid out for us, is very much alive, very real. He doesn't want God, creator of heaven and earth, to be God all by himself. We observe that when Satan attempted to invade the mind of Jesus, Jesus didn't enter into a vain competition of minds. He didn't allow Satan to lure him into vain and selfish demonstration of his awful power. The man Jesus, we reminded ourselves, didn't engage in a mental or intellectual exchange with Satan. Jesus used his knowledge of the written word to put Satan to flight. We attempted to cover the lessons learned from chapter 3, 1 through 6. Our focus was on Satan, the deceiver, and Eve, the deceived. But there's more, more, a lot more in this little passage of Genesis chapter 3. 
Let's read again today from that passage. Today we're going to read verses 1 through 10. And oh, by the way, I'm reading from the New International Version. I know there are some people who feel that the King James Version is the only translation of the Bible that is authentic. I am delighted for and grateful to the gifted scholars who did an excellent job with all the tools that they had available to them over 400 years ago. They came as close to the original writings as their sources and scholarship allowed, and I believe God guided them. I was introduced to the Bible reading the King James Version, and I still use it, and I hold it in high esteem. But I was not taught English of the 15th century. I didn't learn to speak the language using Elizabethan English. In addition, over the centuries, there have been discoveries that allow light on the old Hebrew and Aramaic language that make the text of our Bible more readable without diminishing the meaning or the impact of the divine message and iota. So I examine these others and use them with discretion. So I'm reading now from Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Now the serpent was more subtle or crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat of the tree in the garden? The woman said, You must not eat from any tree. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You'll not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings of them for themselves. And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to that man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. You might say we have had a look at Satan, the deceiver. Eve the deceived, Eve knew that God had said not to eat of it. In fact, she added a little bit to try and make our argument with Satan a little more lucid, and she said, he said we shouldn't even touch it. Well, that's not true, because God had given command of the, to Adam and Eve to tend the garden, to take care of it. And so, today, by the way, we do well to remember that God expects us to take care of our environment in a wise and careful fashion.
he nevertheless chose to believe Satan rather than God. Is it a voice to which you are responding today? Although you know what God says about that particular temptation? Oh, I know how enticing the voice of the evil one can be in the moments of severest temptation. We're so often tempted to shave the absolutes of God even just a little bit. We permit ourselves to be rational. We rationalize away the cutting edge of God's command. The pleasures of sin, the Bible says, are seasonal, temporary, and bring shame and wrath it brand the wrath of God. It was true for Adam. It was true for Eve. It is true for you. It is true for me. Think of it. Just this once, we tell ourselves, God is a gracious God. He'll forgive. Yes, God is a gracious God, but he's also a holy God. And he means what he says. In Hebrews 11, there is a long list of men and women who chose obedience and commitment to God over personal pleasure and personal freedom. And yes, in some instances, even over their very lives, in order to be faithful to God. In verse 25 of that chapter, Hebrews 11, there is the record of Moses. It says this, he chose to be mistreated among, along with his people, than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. In the King James Version, that verse reads like this, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Regardless of how we read it, it clearly says that the pleasures of sin are temporary, they're fleeting, and they ultimately bring pain and loss. If Adam and Eve failed because Satan caught them in his big bag of tricks, and if the human race had been caught, you and I have very little excuse because we have the record of the failures of millions over time. Most important, we know ourselves. We know that we have faced the allurements of sin and a sin-sick world, and we have also failed like they failed. God is calling our names today. God is calling your name today. It may be that you face the temptation of stealing from your employer, or even from someone in your own family, and it seemed to satisfy your needs temporarily, and you thought you escaped. But in your heart, that inner voice of conscience is shouting out at you, guilty, guilty. There's no significant difference from what happened in the Garden of Eden to what is happening in your life, in your heart today. Let's look again at the deceived Eve and the deluded Adam. Let's go back at verses 6 and 7. When the woman saw that the fruit was of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some, ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Guilt has driven 
its sharp knife deep inside their hearts, and Adam and Eve were hearing their hearts saying, Guilty, guilty, let's hide. You've been there, so have I. My friend, that call that comes from the inside is a voice of God, the Holy Spirit, challenging you to stop and turn around. Instead, sometimes we dig deeper, deeper into the hallucinating drugs, turn up the music a little louder. We want to run. We want to hide from God. Right at this moment, I'm speaking to someone who's trying to drown out the voice of God. Don't turn off the radio. Don't switch your channel. Don't try to drown the convicting voice of God Almighty. He's calling you by name. Adam, Eve, Mary, Sam, Ahmad, whatever your name is, God is calling you. My friend, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they sowed fig leaves together. They realized that they were naked, so they sewed a covering together. They were trying to hide amidst the things that God had given them. Oh, you know about the things. Oh, the, all the things that you are hiding in today. God is saying, where are you? You don't have to be afraid. God has made a way. God says, come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson they should be as well. That's the reason Jesus came, to set you free from a guilty conscience and to give you life everlasting, joy and peace. Amen. I've wandered far away from God. This program is cared for by listeners who care. Your prayers and financial investment in this ministry helps to keep the good news on the air. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you to write us at Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478. Again, that's Harvest International, Post Office Box 6690, Ocala, Florida, 34478.